Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was when the Universe Soul Circus started a six-city tour that would eventually lead into it going to at least 10 cities, probably more than that. Um, it was also the year that the Caribbean dancers were introduced to the Universe Soul Circus. <laughs> I think that's I appreciate what, that's my co-host. <laughs> I love the fact that you emphasize this. <laughs> Actually, wait, did we we had a school trip to see that, didn't we? I I think it was required. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you were a black student and the Universe Soul Circus was within 50 miles, you had to see it. <laughs> you know, for the culture, of course. <laughs> well, as we talk about the uh, this Universal Circus, um, we're also going to be talking about a circus of episodes today because we have a we have four more episodes in our Young Justice run through. We have starting off with episode 21. We have Image, followed by Agendas, Insecurity, and finally, Performance, all of which are going to focus in on singular character stories involving the whole team but a lot of each character is going to get something big in one of these episodes but there's also a lot that comes out of it so because of the reveals that happen at the ends of each episode i figured it'd be appropriate to call this one the secrets that unbind us Mm. Mm. i thought you were gonna go with secret and nim for a second i was like that's already taken but you went a different (laughs) different route with I also couldn't go with secret because I know that we still hated that last episode. So, oh yeah, oh god, not secret. <laughs> All right, so the timing of these episodes take place between November twenty second to the twenty fourth. So we are in full holiday mode for this one, and we have our cast list, which is as follows: for our Trekkies out there, Counselor Deanna Troy is played by um, Marina Sirtis. Um, so you'll know her voice as Queen B in our Image episode. Seasons one through two of The Amazing World of Gumball had this actor voice the titular character Gumball Watterson. So it's appropriate that Logan Grove provided the energetic and chaotic mannerisms of Garfield Logan. Wow, that is a (laughs) crazy animal connection. That really is. Following up, we have the femme fatale herself, Maggie Q, storing her voice in as Wonder Woman in our Agendas episode. Uh, we're taking it back to some old school action films where it was just all action, no plot. We got Nick Chunlin, who has made a career in movies such as Con Air, The Legend of Zorro, and most recently providing the voice of Quan Chi in Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm. He's Sportsmaster. 
Oh, of course he is. Uh, what a what a what a resume. What a card. Really is. Of course, John Josh Keaton returns as the web slinging murderous neighborhood black spider. <laughs> it doesn't get any less funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we'll never get spectacular Spider Man season three, but we'll always have Josh Keaton playing the spider person. Uh, next up, we have, you know, we've heard his voice. I think we've already gave him his flowers in the past as the voice of Finn and Captain Black in the Jackie Chan Adventures. Today, Adam Baldwin, the Superman from our Doomsday film for our Sweet Earth Tower season, he returns to voice his sixth DC character, Parasite. He's he got a good track record. <laughs> yeah, he's been almost everybody. Like, I'm at this point, you might as well just be Batman. Just, just do it. <laughs> he might even be you. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, next up, Clancy Brown is the Interpol agent King Faraday. And finally, Stephen Root, uh, known for getting his stapler stolen and burning down the building in the end of office space, as well as providing the voice of Bill Dotrieff and Buck Strickland in the, you know, the Adult Swim, I guess, show King of the Hill. For some reason, I don't know how King of the Hill became an Adult Swim show, to be honest. I grew up with it on Fox. But yeah, he's pulling his five, his another hat trick here as he's the voice of the Haley Circus ringmaster, Jack Haley. All right. So now that we have our episode list and our cast set, it is time to do a triple backflip off of a trapeze and Zeta tube over into the beginning of our first episode image. So right away, like I'm going to I'm just going to call call it as I see it. Batman is the biggest bro in <laughs> In the Justice League, because mm -hmm. he finds a video where he sees Black Canary making out with Superboy, which, you know, that's wrong for a whole bunch of reasons. But Black Canary sees the video and Green Arrow's invited along. Batman didn't have to do that, but he did because he's the ultimate bro. And then he reveals that the Black Canary making out with Superboy was actually Megan in disguise. And uh, she was just doing a shape-shifting game for Mars. And immediately, all the adults in the room, Martian Manhunter, Black Canary, and Green Arrow are like, no, 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 this will simply not fly. Mm -hmm. So uh, Miss Martian, she is in her room, and this is where Black Canary decides to head on over to have a very stern conversation of why, uh, you know, she can't just be out here committing identity theft, especially when there are cameras about. So after they have this conversation, McGann is a little, um, she's understanding of it. She understands that she messed up. She didn't realize that this was something that wasn't okay on earth. So before we can even jump off into the next thing, this is where the team gets called again by Batman to come up. This time he fills them in that, um, that they're heading over to Karak due to something going on where they notice that the elected president there Ruman Harjavadi, he unfortunately has been swinging into a different mindset of like of his past previous laws. Like he is opening his borders to a well-known dictator, Queen Bee, who is in the neighboring um, land of Bialia, which we first experienced back in our bereft episode. But this is also going to be a smaller team. Uh, this is due to the fact that Aqualad is currently in Atlantis. Artemis is going out somewhere um, probably has some schoolwork to do through Gotham Academy and Zatanna is probably still dealing with like the fact of losing her father. The team will now consist of Robin, Kid Flash, Superboy, and Miss Martian. But the biggest thing to come out of it 
is that Batman looks to Robin and says, due to the fact of who's here on this team, Robin, you are the leader on this mission. And it's such a great character moment right away because he's not happy about it. Um, and this is a great follow-up from the, the therapy episode about Robin being nervous about leading because he still doesn't feel he has separated himself enough from Batman to be a capable leader. So he's he's nervous about this. And uh, understandably, you're talking about a mission where if you fail, two countries might be forcibly united under military rules. So I can see why he's a bit nervous to get this done. <laughs> it's but like he, my dude is yeah. 13 years old. Like, yeah. Batman, can, can someone else jump in? He is 13. I haven't even resolved conflicts between roommates, you know, like I, <laughs> I, I get too scared to do it. So it's I, it's a huge, huge responsibility, but he does take it on and they end up uh, flying right above the Logan Animal Sanctuary in the country. And immediately they see that um, some animals and people are in trouble. So even though Robin is reluctant to risk blowing their cover, everyone goes into stealth mode to help out these innocents and as they get up close and personal to these animals we see that is wildebeest who are about to take down these two people honestly probably will bring up some ptsd to any lion king fans out there because this was the same exact animal that killed mufasa Ugh, still hurting still hurting mm. Mm. uh but fortunately the team is able to stop the animals in the stampede in time um, they were able to to stop some tanks that were heading in the direction of the animals to at least slow them down, as well as some armed guards. This is the most like this 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 was just a weird occurrence because it is clear that this is under uh, military operation. So they were able to stop them down slowly, while Superboy is able to divert the stampede by taking one of the wildebeests, flinging it up into the air, and body slamming it into the ground to create a crater near the to the family so that the wildebeest doesn't trample them but goes around in a circle and superboy there there was an easier way to do this versus taking out an animal with such extreme prejudice i like to think that superboy's first movie was lion king that's the first movie he ever watched <laughs> it really hit him and he just couldn't go through that again so i understand i understand what he did here i i i, I don't hashtag I superboy hated- did nothing wrong <laughs> I thought he hated monkeys. It seems like he hates all animals. He's an equal opportunity animal (laughs) abuse. Animal abuse activist. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, look, the Kryptonian experiment didn't fully go right in some Mm. areas, and he's not really good with animals, (laughs) including monkeys. Because after um, they saved the day, they realized this is Marie Logan and Garfield Logan, and they both say, look, Thank you for your help, but also knowing how border disputes go, this is probably going to backfire, just so you know. And, and as they're kind of showing them around, the heroes around, just to thank them, a monkey lands on Superboy's shoulder that Garfield called monkey, <laughs> appropriately <laughs> enough. And he's like, good name, hate monkeys. Um, And this is when the team temporarily splits. The boys hang inside the house um, while the... Well, McGann and Marie go to help rebuild the fence. And that's when McGann kind of reveals her. She goes serious, all fangirl on Marie and says how how much she loves Marie because Marie was Megan on 
the show It's Megan that she was watching earlier and that they're starting to realize there are a lot of similarities too. Yes, uh, it gets revealed that even Garfield is the one to point this out. He's like shocked as soon as he does see Miss Martian and he mentions to the guys that like, you know, it's crazy that Miss Martian resembles his mother way back when she started in the show. The team is really confused and they, but they, as he mentions it, he mentions the hello, Megan and everything. This is where the team realizes again, that there's too many similarities um, between Megan and the show. So we go back to Miss Martian and Megan and uh, Marie talking. This is where she, Marie kind of shows that she doesn't care about her past as much as Miss Martian thought she would. Like, in fact, it's to the point where you can definitely say it's not always great to meet your heroes. So, Fortunately, though, um, there are many more heroes in the bunch as Superboy hears a drone or plane approaching. So as he heads on out to see what's going on, this is where they see that the drone planes start to attack them. And uh, as they run out, Robin turns back to Garfield and tells him to stay in the house so that they can stop the plane. However, once they get out, uh, Marie, she sees the boys outside and asks what happened to her son, to which... Robin says, I ordered him to stay inside. And he comments, she comments, you ordered a 10-year-old boy? He doesn't do order. And I don't know if it's like this kid has early super speed, but homeboy already made it to the barn. That was like at least a five-minute fast-paced run away. And he's trying to unleash all the animals. Unfortunately, though, the drones attack the barn, causing the whole thing to explode with Garfield inside and this leads to Miss Martian flying over to able to catch the body of Garfield in a point now that really shifts the motion the um the entire mission into a very dark period yeah uh it is very clear that Garfield is going to die unless he gets a blood transfusion and because he's O negative and the, the fact that Superboy is already an experiment, they don't trust, and no one's qualified except for McGann, who can alter her blood to fit a situation. Very useful ability. Yeah. Um, so she is able to do just that and transfer her blood out. While, they're do- while she's doing that, the guys go into the other room and they have found the uh, Megan tape. They accidentally activated and they're noticing a lot of really small details. First of all, shout out to Rita Farr, who is also in yes. the pilot. Yes. the last girl <laughs> uh, in the DC Doom Patrol. But they begin to see as they watch more and more of the show, how much McGann has modeled her life after the show. The main character on the show, Megan, is a teenager. She, of course, has a catchphrase. Hello, Megan. She's a cheerleader at the school. Her boyfriend is named Connor, mm-hmm. which really bothers Superboy. And you you just see how desperate she was to change herself, which beca- comes back immediately because as Garfield is recovering and the team is trying to get to the ruler as soon as possible, the guys once again are split off. <laughs> it's, it's all funny how many times this happens this episode. But the guys are left fighting a bunch of of uh, military men while McGann goes after Simon's from he comes back the evil telepath Simon and now it's a one-on-one battle and this rematch gets dirty mm-hmm. I also do want to quickly point out that the uh 
the creators of the show hello megan are uh greg uh greg vietti and um brandon weissman who are also just the flip names of the creators of the young justice series just thought that was a funny moment that i just wanted to point out really quickly so this battle does turn into a very very dark moment so this is again the, the guys are dealing with the fact that the Bialian troops have arrived and they're armed with apocalyptic tech so this is definitely showing that there's more afoot here while simon and miss martian are battling this is where um simon mentally overpowers her and eventually orders her to show her true form and this is where we see why back in our therapy episode miss marcia was so scared when she when black canary had pointed out that she had that she had turned white it's revealed that miss martian is actually not a green martian like how she's been portraying herself this entire time she's not like John Jones, Martian Manhunter at all. She's actually a white Martian, one of the Martians that have experienced a lot of racism towards them. So this reveal turns into her also dealing with the fact that Simon is now putting her greatest fears in front of her, all of which are basically the way her, if her, if her team found out anything about this true identity of hers, she will be turned away. She'll be rejected because they will be in fear of her because she is this bit more um, of a monstrous-looking Martian compared to her green Martian form. Um, every single person starts making these comments how they need to get away from her, they need to stop her. There's even scenes in which the Justice League is telling her that they, she needs to be stopped because she's a monster, as well as um, her uncle um, telling her that she never that he never wanted to bring her to Earth because of this. But the biggest blow of all is when this mental projection of Superboy Connor comes up and says I can't even stand to look at you and this is the dagger to her heart because she doesn't know what to do here because she's actually thinking that this is all happening to her fortunately she's able to break out but after she does she's still stuck in her white Martian form and this is where Simon reveals that even if she was able to take him down right now she he recorded the entire moment the entire transformation. So this is where now it turns into a moment of just like, what can McGann do to stop this? But at the same time, the guys are coming to help her. So the only thing she can do is knock everybody unconscious. Yeah, this is a uh, really harrowing thing of how far she's willing to go to protect her own secret. And then she takes it a step further because she ends up blasting Simon's psyche so hard that he breaks. It looks like this guy is not coming back. Once the battle is over, she changes back and they declare a victory, but Robin even seems conflicted if it's a win or not because of all the things they went through to get to this point. But the team doesn't let her off the hook immediately. They ask her, you know, what is going on with this whole Megan imitation thing? Who are you really? And McGann chooses to show them her true form, quote unquote, which is her as a green Martian, but bald. And this is, she explains that growing up, she was isolated. It was rough for her. So she just decided to assume the Megan personality, her appearance as that is her appearance. That's what she owns. And that's what she 
accepts. Um, and this is such an interesting character choice because she goes one step closer to revealing the truth, but not quite all the way there, which mm-hmm. still sets it up for the future and sets up a pretty great ending. Cause right after she is upset, accepted by her idol, uh, Marie Logan, she goes to check on Gar and finds that queen B, the real queen B is in the room saying, look, you guys got it. You freed the leader. You, you imitated me on TV so that people thought Queen B surrendered. I get it. But if you don't serve my needs, Mayan, I will expose your secret to the world. So now we end with Megan in debt to Queen B and the mystery of what that means hanging in the air. Yes. You know, I'll, I'll talk about it later because we have many more items on our agenda here. As we hop on over to our next episode, Agendas, where we start off in the Watchtower, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, the trinity here of the DC Pantheon. They're looking out into space, and as they're kind of just, you know, keeping a watchful eye over the Earth, Aquaman comes up and tells them that the wait is over as all the members of the Justice League have arrived turning into them arriving into a boardroom with a bunch of other Justice League members. And the matter is simple. It's like, should the Justice League expand? And if so, who should join? And what are the rules for the the criteria for that? Because they have a lot to get into. And it's, it's a pretty big, weighty scene, I will definitely say. Because we do see, we have learned of a bunch of different heroes who have come out of the woodworks from our time here in Young Justice. But also we've learned that there is because of the fact that the group of villains like the Injustice League were able to form, it might mean that more heroes need to step up. So we first start off with our first candidate. You know, uh, this one, I don't even know why this was even up for debate. It's, it's an icon, man. Like, why? You're going to talk, you're going to, you're going to wonder if you should include icon. It's an automatic Yes. But this is great because we do get a chance to see and dive into a little bit of what was happening in the mindset of some of these superheroes, as well as a little bit of some comic book knowledge, like how this Green Arrow was laughing about the fact that Superman immediately, like I'm saying right now, wanted to include Icon. And that's because he thinks that um, Icon is another Kryptonian, which just like he thought how Captain Marvel was, but we kind of know how that turned out to be. (laughs) Wrong magic, Superman. Come on. Know your lore. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the same time that the league is going through this, it is Thanksgiving. And right now you're still seeing some little character touches. Like Satana, she's making all this elaborate food. You know, she said she would normally make it for a dad, but obviously her dad is still under the control of Dr. Fate. And Superboy at the same time is called in by a frequency that only he can hear, because Superman's not on Earth, about to come meet Lex Luthor. Because, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious it's Lex. Who else could do this, possibly right. do this? Right. And then, um, you know, like, what is it now? Like, 10 years later or so, Titans would then use the same plot points. <laughs> every, I feel like everybody does this now. Like, oh, I'm speaking to you on a frequency only you can hear. <laughs> you, I'm sure other people can hear it by now. Right. Amanda Waller's <laughs> probably listening in. <laughs> So Superboy decides to go out. You know, he's he's feeling a little uh, pent up. He doesn't want to help in the kitchen. 
So he decides to go and check things out. Meanwhile, we get a hilarious scene, a really quick hilarious scene where Guy Gardner is up. <laughs> He's like, we have two Green Lanterns on Earth. How about no? <laughs> Alan, <laughs> Alan, John, and we like, no. But what if we, no. <laughs> Completely rejected from the league. I think um, another another yeah. funny another funny one was when Captain Mar or Shazam, uh, you know, the Adam got brought into question, and I'm mad that one they actually showed him in his actual size in the um in the screen of when they were showing what the Adam looks like, and Shazam's laughing about it because he's like, how useful can this can somebody that small actually be? And Batman followed up was just like, it's the it's not the size not the it's not the size of the hero, it's the size of the uh you know, of the, of the fight or, like, how much they, they want to be a hero. And I was just like, did Batman just just use a size doesn't matter thing in this joke? And we just accepted that? This And no one else laughed at this? Did I not tell you at the beginning that Batman is a bro? He's out here protecting men, <laughs> all right? He's protecting these these innocent men out here. <laughs> yes, short king. Yes. <laughs> Batman is a champion for all. Uh, <laughs> so while he's campaigning for the short kings in the world, um, Superboy uh, is called into a meeting with Lex, and Lex reveals that he is now running the Genomorph program that uh, that created Superboy. And there's a missing project he wants Superboy to go check out. So you know, Superboy gives it a shot because he's been he's literally been there before, mm-hmm. and in a very casual scene. Um, He's talking to Guardian, who is still working for the Genomorph Project. And very casually, Guardian takes off his helmet and is like, yeah, I'm um, Red Arrow's uncle, actually. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? This is the most random piece of information that is just casually being dropped. And I'm so used to Jimmy Olsen being, or his sister being Guardian oh, yeah. Supergirl. <laughs> and fittingly, Red Arrow is on the borderline of being rejected at the same time they're having that conversation. Mm-hmm. But the the big question here is with Superboy, uh, because Superboy has returned to this genomorph location. All the genomorphs are doing menial labor, labor, and the head genomorph Dublex asks, "Do you think these genomorphs here are free, or are they just free to serve?" Mm. Mm. <laughs> we was kings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, very strong conversation here um but it's revealed that superboy is here for one particular reason and that is to find out about the other clone that is in Cadmus. so he heads on back down to project kr where he was first found and he's looking around and it is just a desolate place this um you know it's like a it's like the beginning of Dr. Stone. There's just grass everywhere, which I have to question, how is that even possible? We are like several sub-levels on the ground. Um, so he doesn't see anything. It's completely empty. Fortunately, though, we ha- he has his handy-dandy super dog, a.k.a. Wolf, who has joined the uh, the team here. And he's- Wolf smells something. And after Superboy sees that Wolf is trying to find something, he starts listening in and he hears more machinery behind the wall so he rips it down and it's revealed that there's a door with like a bunch of other experiments that were locked away and frozen and as he walks further in he sees another pod in the middle and in that pod is someone that looks just like him wearing that same solar suit 
that he was wearing back in our first episode of the series. And as he's like rushing over to stop it, he sees that this one is called Project Match. So when he presses the button to um, to wake him up, the clone wakes up. And just like back in our first episode, the bell has been rung, hands are ready to eat for everyone, and it's on site. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's such a fascinating contrast because if you're worried if you're going to be able to tell the difference, well, this match can fly. He mm-hmm. can shoot laser beams. He has literally all of Superman's powers. And he is putting a hurt on Superboy because he's Superboy is just outmatched. And after losing the battle, he wakes up in a pod, which absolutely upsets him. He breaks out immediately and they explain, look, um, we just needed to heal you. We just needed to heal you before fighting Frieza in 20 minutes. Like we just needed to put you in some kind of stasis pod. Mm-hmm. So it's after this that Luthor just patches in. He has better hacking skills than Robin, apparently. <laughs> and explains that Superboy had gaps in his DNA. And to fill those in, they used human DNA. But Match is all Kryptonian. And that is why he has all the powers of Superman. And that's why Superboy is missing powers, which is a very interesting explanation. I don't think I've ever heard for that before. Um, it might be somewhere and I just didn't pay attention, but that's a great way to explain why he doesn't have everything. <laughs> so now that Superboy is grappling with this match, literally grappling with his match, we go back to the league for one of the best debates that we hear yet. The next person that comes up to the conversation is Aqualad and Kid Flash. Now, we're thinking that they just joined the team. They were sidekicks. You know, at the beginning of our series, we even saw them as joining the Justice League. They were seen as people who were about to join. This is where we have somebody who jumps up and says that they are a perfect candidate. And this is Dr. Fate. He even says that the reason why he feels that they're both perfect candidates is because he's been through the minds of both of them while they have both worn the helmet. And they are ready. But this is where Captain... I keep calling him Captain Marvel because his name is Captain Marvel in the show. So (laughs) apologies if I go Captain Marvel Shazam. But Shazam starts saying that, you know, it's unfair that Dr. Fate should even be able to make this judgment because of the fact that, like, he usurped Zatara's seat. At the same time, Wonder Woman is trying to stop from Aqualad and Kid Flash from joining because it's just like they're, he, she's also once again saying that they are pretty young and questions Dr. Faves like, are you sure you're not just putting younger individuals into battle? And he's like, yeah, no, it's whatever. But then when she brings up Satana, this is where he immediately jumps up and just says, we are absolutely not putting Satana into the Justice League, showing that even though Dr. Fate is in control, there's still a bit of Zatara in the in the driver's seat. Yeah, it's a, a, another really great example of the show not dropping a thing about characters. Like, everything mm-hmm. comes back in some important way. Just like the other episode where they were learned publicly that Billy Batson is the true identity besides Shazam, which Wonder Woman goes, should we let you in? You're a kid. And even though you have the wisdom of Sol- Solomon, that doesn't mean you have maturity. <laughs> Sorry, I was just and, thinking about yeah. Solo Bond. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's see Solo Bond. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Shazam 2 joke, guys. Shazam 2. Uh, <laughs> watch the whole movie and you'll get the joke. So, Batman, everyone's like, yeah, no one knew about this. And Batman says, oh, I did. 
And, you know, Wonder Woman's, oh, of course, the guy who who takes nine-year-olds into fighters with a talk. <laughs> and he, he, this is one of the, the best exchanges, maybe in the series, I, I would go as far to say. And Batman explains, I, I brought him in because he needed to bring the men who killed his family to justice. Wonder Woman goes, so he turned out like you. And Batman goes, no. So he wouldn't. Yeah. Lee, it, it, I don't know if I've heard a better explanation for why Batman puts kids in colorful costumes and has them attract bullets while he's hanging around the shadows. But I, I think that's it. I think that's the best explanation. Yeah, and it's a solid reason, too, especially when you're seeing how it's playing out in the show. Like, we just spent a good part of like a couple episodes back during that therapy session where Robin's like, I do not want to be a hero like Batman. Like, I want to be a hero, but working in the dark, sacrificing anything for the mission isn't me. This is me. I'm I'm going to laugh. I'm going to have my the smile on my face, you know, while saving the day. So, you know, here it is that we would think that, like, Batman is setting Robin up to be the next Batman. But even here in this episode, he clearly states, I don't want that to happen. He knows that he's plagued by grief and trauma. He somehow found a way to not do that for Robin. I don't know how, but I am, I will say kudos to Batman for, um, you know, if there's a parenting book out there for this, Batman's get get to writing because I think you did good. I think you did good. Yeah. And uh, now, now that we've had a good background on Robin, we go back to Superboy where he it's revealed that Match was not the second Superman clone. He he was the first. Mm-hmm. And they the company put him on ice because they realized they couldn't control this dude at all. Because of the full Kryptonian DNA, he had lost all semblance of humanity being a creation as well. So they had locked him away. And this this introduces a interesting conflict for Superboy because as Dublex takes him to a city where all the genomorphs have been hiding, all the escaped genomorphs that had gone missing. Um, Dublex points presents him with a question. It's like, is it better to you let some this guy rampage uncontrollably, or for us to you know keep him subdued? So there there is a big question here hanging in the air, and as right before they get to match where match is hiding and being subdued. We should mention that earlier Luther gave a way for Superboy to access his full Kryptonian DNA. He puts a shield on his arm and it accesses it fully, which is useful because Match breaks free immediately and it's on site for Match and Superboy. And I actually do at some point want to come back and circle back to that debate that Duplex had about can we allow this match to be out in the world like this and the reasonings for it. But honestly, that conversation is too deep for the crazy amount of fighting that we saw in this one. Superboy is flying. It is happening. He is not just leaping it, leaping tall buildings in a single bound. He is leaping cities because my man is putting in the work on match. And it is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Um, There are some really cool, nice moments that we do see in which um match is... Um, because of the fact he is able to use heat vision, he rips off the S off the shirt. Now, this is also back to the understanding that 
Project KR was created so that to take down Superman should he turn from the light or if he should perish. So this being is going to hate Superman to his very core, to be honest. So um, he rips off the logo, but realizes that he still needs it. So he burns, he, using his laser vision, he burns into his chest the actual S of Superman. But because he's looking in the mirror while doing it, the classic Superman can, needs to use his laser vision to actually, you know, like shave or cut into himself. This S is backwards. So it's a nice little homage to Bizarro here. And I, I love that that we that we added in that fact there. And because this fight is going on, we see that man, it, it's explosive. It is honestly super crazy. Gene Gene City is looking like it's be destroyed very soon because of the fact that these two are just like battling it out. But at the same time, while this is happening, we have to head back over to the conversation on the Watchtower because. After the conversation of how old you need to be in the Justice League, it was determined that everybody over the age of 18 should be able to get an invitation to join the Justice League. This is where Martian Manhunter shares that does unfortunately causes some issues for a lot of people because, for example, Martians in particular, the Earth, the Mars rotates around the sun a lot quicker, therefore they have shorter years. So... 18 years old is going to be a long time for McGann, who is currently based off of Earth years, 48. And at the same time, the question comes up for people like Red Tornado and um, and Superboy, who like Red Tornado is an android. So he may look like an elder older person, but he could be less than 18 years old. The same thing with Superboy, who is, who looks like he is 17, but he's actually what now, like six months? Yeah, I think they say one. Yeah, he's like one years old. <laughs> Forty-eight yeah. and one. Chris Harrison's gonna have a word with you two. <laughs> so as they continue to have that conversation, we do see that Superman kind of, after hearing Superboy being brought up, he kind of looks away. He's still, you can still sense that little bit of shame that he has about what happened. But more importantly, back with this fight. Um, it is still going on. Genomore City is about to collapse, but it looks like Superboy has the upper hand. Yeah, the uh, patch does make him angrier, does make him lose a bit of control uh, as aggro as Red Arrow. Yeah. Nah, I'm yeah. just kidding. No one can be as aggro as Red Arrow. <laughs> He's got the monopoly on that. I will I will say, though, now that I'm realizing it, this, these patches remind me of uh, the Batman Beyond episode where we reintroduced Bane. And they took the patches and connect and had them on their bodies, and that's how they got the venom injected into them. Mm, uh, that's probably where they took the idea from. Yeah, so so don't do venom patches, kids. Maybe shields. I don't know, but also probably not shields. As we'll continue on here. Yeah. So he is able to beat match into the ground so much that they all say, "Look, you're, he's down, bro. You got him. It's over." So after the fight, match is put on ice because there's really nothing else to do the genomorphs as well it, the fate is of genomorph city is left ambiguous but i think it's implied that they all have to be returned to the lab mm -hmm. and lex luthor and superboy have a meeting and superboy is obviously upset about this whole he feels conned into doing this lex reveals that he was just trying to assess his assets and trying to get to the genomorph city that was the whole point of the exercise so he does so. He succeeded. 
And right before Superboy can attack Lex, he uh, Lex says Red Sun, which appropriately shuts Superboy down immediately. Because uh, Red Sun, of course, is one of Kryptonian's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And even though Connor had wanted to throw away the shields that Lex gave him, he agree. He decides to keep them in a silent decision, and that's where we leave. Um, another very bittersweet ending. While the Justice League has chosen a few new members to add on, it is a bittersweet ending for Superboy's plotline. Yeah. So again, because of this bit of sweetness and the fact that we feel very insecure about what's going to happen to our boy here, it's very appropriate that we hop onto our next episode, Insecurity, with the if an individual flying through. Um, the air swinging webs and he's looking quite spectacular as he heads on over to an apartment window where he uses his webbing to pull a man outside of his daughter's bedroom apartment as he is wishing her a good night to then drop him a couple stories down this is the menace jj jameson tried to warn y'all about all (laughs) right he is yeah um and i come on like it's already hilarious that you have the voice of Spider-Man in Spectacular Spider-Man voicing Black Spider. But on top of that, the fact that he's trying to kill a reporter, come on. <laughs> that's that's way too funny. Um, So luckily, at the end, before the reporter can co- collide to the ground, another clay-faced arrow saves the day, and uh, the reporter lands on foam. And it's revealed that uh, Green Arrow has done a team-up with Artemis, and they're on the case. And they um together are able to easily de- defeat and subdue Black Spider. But all is not well because elsewhere, Sportsmaster has freed Dr. Ivo. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Ivo is now on the loose. And this is, comes just at the time where Red Arrow has been inducted into the league and uh, is asked to do a small favor of joining the team temporarily. But before we see how that goes out, we see that Artemis is having a little bit of a conflict with her mom. So this during this conversation, um, Artemis's mom shares with her a bit more history about what happened. So Artemis is feeling on cloud nine after um, hearing from Green Arrow that she's working really well alongside her. She's feeling great about being part of the team. Um, and her, her mom is telling her that she's glad that she is on the same criminal path that put her in jail when she was Huntress, which was a very big character drop, since I think we're always accustomed to Huntress being more of a hero than a villain in DC storytelling. Um, but the main thing that comes out of this is that Artemis is feeling super proud that she was able to do this all on her own. However, her mom reveals that Green Arrow and Batman actually shared that they knew what Artemis was doing and they came to her mom first before coming to Artemis to join the team and that she actually begged them to help Artemis, which leads to Artemis being furious. Now, we kind of knew this because um, we shared a bit about this in the comic book section back in our second episode or third episode of this series so far where we were introduced to Artemis. Um, but it's clear that Artemis does not like the fact that she didn't really get everything that she has now based off her own talents and skills. It seems like everybody's been pulling strings around her. So she's very furious about that. And this leads to her just leaving the house, um, probably going out on patrol or heading back to the Mountain Justice to find out what's going on. 
Meanwhile, we see that Sportsmaster and Ivo have successfully done their breakout where they go meet up with um, Clarion, the uh, the witch boy, Brain, Tickle, and Monsieur Muller. I have to say it like that. He wears a beret. Oh, every time. Every yeah. time. <laughs> um, but he's, he's not going to do that alone because the team is on the case. Artemis, this time around, we have Artemis, Kid Flash, Red Arrow, and Aqualad that have now teamed up to go and pursue Sportsmaster. Artemis originally wasn't on the case, but she volunteered to fly the bio ship um, instead of being left behind. And this actually leads to a really nice moment on the bio ship where Kid Flash turns to Artemis and says, look, I know why you came on this mission, but don't worry. Red Arrow is not replacing you. We don't think you're he's a better archer or anything. You don't have anything to prove. Not to me, certainly. So it's a really nice show of maturity and recognition of sensitivity from Kid Flash. And another tease that, you know, they they are getting closer every time, every day. So um, the people who stayed behind Superboy, Miss Martian and Zatanna, they decide we got nothing better to do but sneak into Red Tornado's room while he's not there. (laughs) <laughs> since they're so bored because he's like entertain yourselves and they take on that challenge literally um yeah this and... was the, this was before the time of streaming i think so like netflix oh, yeah. didn't really have that much content up there so <laughs> they just had hello megan reruns to watch and it, <laughs> it only lasted one season so uh nothing much for them so the the team that is out there pursuing Sportsmaster, they all say all right we're gonna go subtle Artemis, you stay in the ship. Everybody else, we're going to do some subtle things. So Kid Flash rides the loudest motorcycle he can in the brightest outfit he can. Red Arrow gets on a damn jet ski behind Sportsmaster. And Aqualad swims, which is the only subtle thing here. (laughs) Um, And right as they're getting to the rendezvous point and seeing what Sportsmaster is up to, um, Artemis gets out because... She senses Cheshire on Red Arrow's tail, and another fight ensues. Yes, this is where she decides to go in and try to see if she can stop her before Red Arrow can will be harmed by any of Cheshire's um attacks. But then she sees her. She Cheshire sees her and jokingly says and teases that like she needs to back off because you know she knows something that her friends don't know, which is the idea of revealing her true identity, which has been a, a conversation piece for quite some time throughout the series. Like we saw back in our, um, that one random scene in that one episode where uh, Robin does know um, Artemis' true identity. So this leads into an attack. Um, the fight is happening. But then as the fight is happening, this is where Red Arrow shoots a trick arrow at Cheshire, tying her up. And Cheshire starts to flirt with, um, with Red Arrow a bit, leading to Artemis being shocked over the fact that these two are dating. Like the these are like basically the two people that she hates the most. And she's like, "Oh, you formed, you got together," and it's clear because she's kissing Red Arrow at times too. Yeah, I do love another. <laughs> what a what a match because they also do have that angry tension, and Art and um, Cheshire even lands a kiss on Roy. In the middle of the fight. Um, but eventually Cheshire and Sportsmaster decide, all right, enough of this. Let's get away. So Artemis tries to take a shot to get 
a tracker on Sportsmaster, but she says she doesn't have it, which leads Roy to step up and um, get the tracker on. So he'd also just pursue him in his subtle jet ski. And as he's in the jet ski, he decides, you know what? I'm going to take a dive, a literal dive to make sure to sell it because the tracker's on the boat. It's fine. So he takes a dive. Aqualad goes and pursues. But Sportsmaster, this guy, I don't know what he's on. He's like as powerful as Deathstroke in this universe <laughs> because he senses Aqualad is there too and blows up the river. Or maybe he just does that just in case in every scenario. Um, just like I see a shadow. Bombs away. <laughs> that's all. I got all these. I'm going to use them. <laughs> After um, their plan goes a little sideways, they also throw the fight. Cheshire, Kid Flash and Artemis throw the fight against Cheshire. So they can also get another tracker on there. But this still is not enough to prevent a little friction between the team because Roy just doesn't trust Artemis to begin with. And this mission is not helping. He doesn't think she has the skills. And Kid Flash defends Artemis, which leads to the team being split in half as they all go their separate ways to follow these trackers going in separate directions. Yes, because there is that one point where Artemis does shoot a another uh, tracker in the opposite direction to throw them off the scent so that she can go and take on Sportsmaster and Treasure herself. And the reason I bring this up is because at one point Artemis does state, oh, Treasure's going north and um, Sportsmaster is going south. And Roy had the audacity to come up and say, oh, Sportsmaster's going south, just like this mission. <laughs> and I was like, what have you contributed, sir, besides laying with the enemy? <laughs> I swear, I really hate Roy in this. And there have been many times that I wish that, like, he does this when Aqualad is in charge. So I'm extra mad about this. And one of these days, if I ever catch Roy in the DC Universe streets, it's hands on sight. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it as is. He yes. didn't need to be that. <laughs> He, he's so he's always just full of rage and always pent up. He just isolates everybody that comes in contact with him. And speaking uh, of isolation, um, yeah. back at Mount Justice, the the team that stayed, Red Tornado, um, they've entered his room and they see a body on the table. They just see a body has been completely covered over on the table. Um, and luckily, this one is not a live one. It is an android that Red Tornado plans to to walk around the Earth in just to get more human experience. And we know this because he shows up. <laughs> and I do like, you snuck into my room. Is this a sign of disrespect? Um, and they're like, no, we were just curious. Um, in this really kind of weird moment, Satana uses a magic spell to put pants on the android, which... I agree. Just a weird beat they felt that needed because that's where the scene ends. The pants go on the android and the scene just ends. I'm like, yeah, we never it's a weird back button. To that too. No, no, we don't. It's a really weird button on the scene. And um, back in New Orleans, where the mission has all been going down, um, we see that. Artemis is has found caught up to Cheshire in oh in I think the Mardi Gras museum, it looked like because there are a bunch of floats oh, around. Oh yep, yep. 
Um, Highly recommend that place. You please go. Please go and eat your way through New Orleans, but especially stop by there. Hashtag unfortunately not sponsored. <laughs> Nola Tourism Board, call us. Uh, so <laughs> Cheshire reveals that she picked up on Artemis's double cross and shows a monitor of Roy outside of the warehouse while Sportsmaster is about to attack him, which reminds me of the, the meme where someone's in the church with a gun and oh, then yeah. somebody else with a gun <laughs> and somebody in the rafters with a gun. Um, hilarious. And this breaks out to a crazy fight where Artemis opens up the fight by shooting an explosive arrow at the door to knock Roy back so that Sportsmaster won't kill him with a lance. It works. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. It works. So I can't be mad. But damn, Artemis. <laughs> It does make me question what is up in that quiver because, you know, the, the running joke from the Hawkeye series is like, how many dangerous items does he have in the very small compart- like compartmentalized space? But it is clear that Artemis may have more. Um, it's actually very scary how much more weapons of mass destruction she has in that quiver. Uh, but at the same time, we see that in this Mardi Gras museum or pretty close by, our villains from earlier, Clarion, Brain, Mala, and Ivo, they are hard at work. Um, they are, I, I have no idea what is happening. It seems like they are kind of a bit replicating what happened in our Injustice League episode where they are using some form of tech as well as some magic and something else. Um, I don't know, sheer evil willpower to manipulate the thing that they had grabbed some episodes ago, which is the piece of that tentacled being from our downtime episode which was then brought back into the story here in the uh, the episode where their parents, the, the adults had disappeared during that heist over at Star Labs. And now somehow they have, again, are manipulating this, um, this tentacle in some way, shape, or form. And fortunately, Artemis is able to find out that this is the true plot of what's going on. They see She sees that every single one of these individuals are here, Unfortunately, she has to deal with, once again, the battle that's happening um, with Sportsmaster, Cheshire, Red Arrow. Aqualad is able to get a call from them to let him know to send over somebody. So he's headed, sending Kid Flash over as fast as he can. But the more that they are explaining as to what happened, the more Aqualad and Kid Flash tend to start wondering how the heck did they get to this point where they were so far off the trail of the real battle. Yeah, and... uh to make matters worse, Clarion does an Iceman disappearing act, uh, gets all the villains out of there before they can either even catch on to what's going on. And this is where um, Red Arrow reveals that Artemis played them. You know, she put the tracker on uh, the wrong spot and followed him here. And Kid Flash is really upset because he's he's been sticking up for her. So he sees this like show this is like as her going rogue as like a solo thing to try to improve her reputation. So she he calls her insecure, which is really ironic coming from him. <laughs> and Aqualad says a great thing about, you know, she made a mistake. And if making a mistake was betrayal, we'd all be traitors. Mm. So he really you know, he he's forgiving of this tactic, even because I honestly, even if things had gone perfectly, there was no way they were coming out of a, a mission against Clarion with no magic users. It wasn't going to happen. So they end with this mission failure. Aqualad lets Batman know 
it was a fail. And as one last beat, Sportsmaster shows up in Artemis's bedroom, revealing that, yes, he is her father. That's why she was so driven to go on this mission. With Cheshire as her sister, it was all making sense about why she wanted to confront them solo. And Sportsmaster says, they don't trust you anyway. Why don't you switch to the bad side? Which rules her out as a traitor for mm-hmm. those that watching at home, but is also a bad position for her to be in going in to the next episode. Yes, because now she has to pretend like none of this has happened. One might say she has to put on a performance. As we hop on to our final episode of our Bunch Today performance, we see that there are, we're at the circus. Um, unfortunately, not the Universal Circus. Um, we get introduced to Jack Haley, the ringmaster here. We're in um, Burgess, I think. That's, that's how you pronounce that European? Uh, Bru- Bruce? Bruce? Okay. I think they're in Bruges. Uh, I'm not 100 yeah. sure. Yeah, um, we get introduced to the daring dangers. Um, we get introduced to Don, Dan, uh, Dean, and Dane Danger, who are actually um, Dan Danger is Robin, Miss Martian is Dawn Danger, Red Arrow is Dane, uh, Superboy is Dean Danger, and finally we have Artemis, who is Diane Danger. Um, they are pulling off a. Um, trapeze feet it is very quite harrowing they are doing this act without a net and we start our episode with robin pretty much almost plummeting to his death fortunately superboy because he is showing off that he has the strength as his circus act is able to take one of the things that he's juggling and throw it at robin to propel him back up which gives miss martian an opportunity to um use her telekinesis to be able to catch on to him and it's really cool. Honestly, if you've never been to the circus, I feel like this is like a pretty cool way to see it done in like three seconds. But we see that Robin is sweating like crazy. He thinks he got this like 24-hour bug that's been going around the circus. And this is even still him performing at this level. Ms. Martian shares that like, you're still doing great. I've been doing telekinesis the entire time because I'm not the acrobat like you are. Yeah, it's like, look... When I'm sick, I don't feel like walking to the subway. So the fact that you're flipping upside down is right. really impressive, Rob. And don't 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 be ashamed of your skills. But uh, yeah, so he's sick, and he, we find out the mission is about a robbery, a series of robberies. Wherever Haley Circus has gone in Europe, there's been a tech robbery, and they're still trying to figure out what's going on, what is the connection, and Robin, um, as you know, a graduate of Haley Circus. Uh, when he was younger, is defensive. And he doesn't want to reveal the team because, you know, the team doesn't know his backstory. He still always wears the mask when he's around them. So he's trying to keep that under wraps while pursuing this mission. And while they're um, kept seeing a thief in action, they're all sticking out of place. And this is where we see that Superboy is still relying on those patches. He s- uses one to see into the building and he to know where to go to pursuit. Unfortunately, when he sees into the building, he doesn't see that it's full of gunpowder. Yeah, and unfortunately, the uh, the as they are firing off into the building, one of the flares that was nearby does hit the gunpowder. Fortunately, Red Arrow is able to point that out and is able to evacuate, try to get the team out in time. Um, they move to a location where I don't know how, but fortunately, no one was injured. Um, Superboy is ready to continue pursuit because he wants to catch the thief. 
But this is where Robin calls out to him and just says, hey, you need to help and get Miss Martian out of here. And he's just like, why? And he's just like, she has, she's weak against the fire. She's about to die. And this is where it clicks for him. So it's showing that the, um, once again, these like kind of back in our agendas episode, these patches does give him this crazy amount of power. However, at the same time, they do tend to actually sway his thinking. She, he carries her out, but at the same time, our archers here notice that Robin is about to collapse, so they carry him out while they reconvene back onto the back at the circus to talk about what was happening. This is where they overhear Faraday, who's the Interpol agent, talking with Haley once again about this new robbery. And Haley is upset. Jack Haley is quite upset because he's just like he's tired of the fact of his crew and he and his crew always being targeted for these things he doesn't understand and he even states that like he checked everybody's rooms and everybody was there that night which leads the team into questioning why is it that Haley is saying that everybody was there when they clearly weren't yeah so what does Haley have to hide and Robin wants everybody to keep an open mind because obviously this is someone who's very important to him and earlier we got a quick flashback where Rory revealed his main motivation for coming on the mission Mm-hmm. Was he didn't want to leave Robin alone with the three people that are most suspected of being spies at this point. So this is where Roy in modern times just calls everybody out. Superboy's <laughs> like, bro, I heard you talking about us thinking that we're spies and a fight almost breaks out, which would have gone very poorly for Roy. <laughs> but again, is able to calm everything down and Robin gets some air. Um, and while Robin is getting some air, he looks, we have really two great emotional scenes back to back. One, he looks at a poster of the Flying Graysons, his family circus performance. And you can see that their costume designs look like the night, what will become the future Nightwing logo, mm-hmm. which is a really beautiful touch this early on. And he also gets a call from Kid Flash where it's revealed that the mission is a fake. Batman didn't put them up to it. No Justice League put them up to it. Robin took upon took it upon himself to investigate this. And he didn't bring it Kid Flash because although Kid Flash says, I know your backstory, Robin's like, that's exactly why I didn't want you to come. I didn't want you to think I couldn't be objective. Mm-hmm. So this is a really good dive into Robin's character and just a, a couple of effective scenes while in the midst of this bigger crisis. Yep. So as they're walking out, we have to head back out to um, the next stage of the Haley Circus. We are heading on over to Geneva, which the train that the Haley Circus is on is going to be leaving in um, two hours. So everybody's packing up. We got a chance to meet some of the Haley Circus members, including Ray here, who is the uh, who is the kind of like the like a, the stagehand, the roustabout, as they called it. Um, he just, roustabout. Yeah, that, they... that word. I I can't <laughs> let that one go. Whatever a roustabout is. <laughs> Basically, he just does everything. So um, he goes to help McGann, but she kind of declines. And so he just goes upon his way. And then soon after, um, this the, the flu that's been or the bug has been going around, it finally catches McGann, who is pretending to be Dawn here. She's shocked at first, which is a very common thing to actually think about. The fact that she was able to catch this, um, well, not human, but meatbag cold because it is affecting her as well. Um, so as they are talking, she realizes that they all realize that the that as soon as they got sick, they all came in contact with Ray, who 
Superboy shares must be like a walking Petri dish, but they realize that something is off about that. So they decide to go and look for him and they come face to face with um, Jack Haley, who mentions that Ray also has the bug. So he's still in his cabin. He's like sleeping. So they decide to go and try to see if they can wake up Ray and find out what's going on. Meanwhile, what we what they don't see, but what we do is that Jack Haley transforms into Ray. Yeah. And this both versions of him don't wash his hands ever. You know, these guys, <laughs> they see Purell yeah. and they destroy it. Um, just light it on fire. It's but, like that one percent of germs. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is what, team. <laughs> his hands are all the one percent of germs. <laughs> um but Robin quickly figures out this guy, he's stealing powers. That's how he's being able to imitate these circus performers because in different robberies, different circus talent seem to be operating. And on top of that, this imitator is Parasite, commonly a Superman villain who, you know, does what he says on the, the can. He sucks powers out like a parasite and then is able to turn them against the hero, respectively. So a Superman-level villain in this is really bad and even worse because Superboy using the patches does give him the powers of Superman and I got to give two props here in this this fight scene because they all end up on top of a train and two two props right away one parasite I admit lasering the bows to take out both mm-hmm. archers immediately clutch move mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. smart and then as parasite is trying to get away with this package Robin pulls off this vertical jump that I don't know how this, are we sure this man don't have superpowers <laughs> because his vertical is insane. Um, as he catches up the parasite in midair, manages to pick parasites pocket in midair and steal a flash drive, which um, gives them an advantage. And as they're trying to pivot, I love that red arrow brought a backup bow. Mm-hmm. Um, to the to the mission, Artemis brought a backup crossbow, <laughs> <laughs> and Superboy to recover quickly brought another patch. Robin is afraid to bring them out into the field, but Miss Martian also shares that she too is willing to to go and back into the fight. As they are putting together the information of what they know, they realize that some things that they are able to figure out is that like all of these all these robberies are definitely connected to the intergang. This is thankful to the, um, the flash drive he was able to take and hack into. And the plot is that with everything that he's stolen, he could create a black hole, which they're all like impossible. He can't do anything with the small amount of stuff that he's gotten. But then red arrow realizes and states, wait, you mean like, a, but they will need a collider much like the collider, the large boson collider in Geneva. Um, so as they realize that if this happens, Geneva may end up being destroyed, they decide to try to find a way to see if they can get there a little faster. Parasite has already reached there because of, once again, he has the power of flight as well as a bunch of other powers, which is commented on that, like, must be all from Superboy, must have drained Superboy like crazy because he unlocks some things. This is, and I do like this one because Superboy trying to hide the fact that he is using the patches is finding reasonable ways to explain why Parasite is able to get his power, get these powers, like stating, oh, it's because he has the genetic potential to use, to have heat vision. Um, 
but this is going to be a tough battle for them because as they head on over to the, the, the Boson Collider in Geneva, they are making their plan, but Superboy clearly in his journey of learning more and more about Earth culture as being a one, like a six month to one year old child, recently watched an episode about the famous Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, he charges in there. <laughs> and because they don't really doesn't we don't really know if they have a plan. They they're risking it all here. But um the the heavy hitters try to distract as much as possible. And in the fray of this this tense battle, they decide to take advantage of one thing. If Parasite has the strengths of the heroes, he probably has the weaknesses. So they start a fire, and luckily it is correct, Parasite is weakened by the fire, while Robin hacks the collider. <laughs> um, because he's just his hacking skills are just next level. And after this really tense battle, Roy decides, you know what? I forgive you guys because you could have betrayed us at any moment and traitors wouldn't do this. And then he just goes, you know what? There is no mole. And I almost felt like he needed to look at the camera, like, you know, one of those special episodes. <laughs> yeah. There is no mole, guys. <laughs> um, so I also do like how Robin was like, told the Interpol agent to come with the inhibitor collar mm -hmm. right away. Do not have that have that prepped. Um, and we end this story with Dick Grayson going over to uh, Haley. I don't even know. Thank you for the circus. Thank you for the opportunity. But we have to hit the road. Haley goes, of course, I know it was you, Robin, the whole time. But before you leave, can you do some free labor for me? And <laughs> they go. He does one last flip. And that's where we end this saga. Yes. So now as we go and try to see if the Daring Dangers will do a, another performance, hopefully, with the Universe Soul Circus, listen to this ad for a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right. Um, so that was our set of episodes for the the secrets that unbind us grouping that we have here. Out of our four episodes here, Andrew, which one are you going to be giving the most whelmed to warm to? Uh, you know, very, very close. Uh, I think performance was very close to taking my top spot. I do like the Robin origin. I do like the parasite as a villain, the little mystery, but the first was the best for me, and it was Image. I, mm. I the the Megan plotline here, having it slowly unravel, the layers of that she's hiding behind to get through the day. Um, it's it's a I think it's a very, very important and personal story, especially for if you're a teenager watching this show and you're trying to figure out who you are inside. I think this story is a very important notice uh, examination to say like the more you hide and suppress your identity, 
the harder it's going to be later for you later on, which I think is a theme throughout all these episodes, really a running theme of like, just come clean about your identity to at least the people you trust the most. It doesn't have to be everybody, but your inner circle should know. Um, So I really like the theme. I really like bringing Simon back to challenge her as like a, you know, one of McGann's arch rivals. It feels like there are definitely some recurring villains, but this feels like the the most tense relationship between these two. Um, And yeah, the origin for Garfield Logan. I really like what they're going to do because especially given that he becomes much more important later on, I do like that they took the time to set him up. And it, so they get a lot done in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it really works. Uh, what do you think? Who who whelmed you the most here? Yeah, I'm going to give it to your second choice here. I'm going to give it to performance. Mainly because as I was saying, the a lot of the episodes are very singular character focused. Like um, it does lead into, you get Miss Martian. We get like a crazy character development story to p- telling for her. Followed up with Superboy. Followed up with... um with Artemis performance just felt more like it moved the team along I think mm-hmm. and as well as the um the story of what's happening with the mole like it has been a recurring like a recurring plot point where it's just like it seems so front of mind it should be something that we should be tackling right here and now but there isn't much that we can do and I think the coolest thing about this is that it also clears the board that it can't be any of the new three members so it does swing us back to two thoughts is it that there isn't a mole at all or is it one of the original sidekicks so now everybody's mind is turning we don't want it to be any of the original sidekicks but we know it has to be someone on this team someone who's been paying attention like every single person has been cleared of being a mole except for these um these four individuals so it does turn into like who's going to break our heart the most and um the rest of the episodes again they're great in their own respects it just that for me it just didn't move the story along in that particular point though i will say another episode that was a big favorite of mine was the um uh, the Superboy episode, mainly because I love the I love seeing that conversation that Justice League was having about who should be a member of the team, going through the bylaws, understanding like what kind of criteria needs to be in place before we even think about someone being a hero. Like I think that was awesome, um, especially when it came down to that debate of just like we were so focused on Earth's heroes that we never even acknowledged. Like, what does it mean to be a hero from Mars or a genetically born hero or even a hero of another planet of origin? Like, these are questions that, um, you know, it takes a lot of creative thinkers to think about. But because we get so stuck in thinking that, like, yes, the battle happens on Earth. For some reason, Earth is just, like, the common battleground of every single battle Mm. between good and evil. Yet... There are many, many, many more players at play here. So I really enjoyed seeing that conversation happen. But much like the um much like what was happening in our um I forget the name of the episode, but it's the therapy episode. We had a pretty chill, not too great storyline. It was great fight scenes, but here it is that there was a much deeper storyline that was happening more as the B plot. So I agree. I think that um, all these episodes were good. I did like the image episode, but for me, performance 
um, had a very high performance in my heart for the most well episode. Yeah, and it, I do also find it weird with the uh, every the Superboy episodes just randomly that it always seems like there's something else yeah. going on. That that's what held it back for me personally because I think it had the makings of a really strong episode overall. Mm-hmm. And if they had do- dove more into the Genomorph stuff and freedom, I think you would have had pretty much a bulletproof episode for Superboy. Um, but uh, yeah, for some reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for some reason, when it comes to Superboy, they're always kind of making him second fiddle so i don't know i don't know what's going on there but that's how it is speaking of the superboy episode something that i did want to quickly talk about was the um so we heard from duplex who stated that the reason why they kept the superboy clone i guess you can call it that or rather match um Mm -hmm. in captivity under the in genomorph city is because his actions should he have gotten out would be a bad sign for all genomorphs. And I thought that was a pretty cool thing to think about. Like we, you know, Superboy is coming from the point of like, he should be free. He should be able to learn just as I did. But from the genomorphs, they're seeing that as like, he's not like you. He is something a bit more dangerous and could be detrimental to our cause of our own freedom and not just freedom to do labor. And I wanted to see what did you think about that? Because it does question, like, I guess a little bit, like how can someone be in society based off of how they can present for other people? It's it's really it's a really tricky thing because you have a person here that is has been designed to do a very specific thing, which is to kill or replace Superman. Um so you have someone who's been designed as a weapon that they couldn't control. And what do you do with that? What do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? And I think that really the answer is a halfway of what Dublex was trying to do, mm-hmm. which was, you know, put him in therapy essentially to yeah. really take the time to see how, what he needs to control his emotions and regulate himself around people. Taking the time to do that is um, important but also difficult because without someone who can contain him, if things get wild or a kryptonite room or a red room, red sun room, there's really no way. So it, it really, since they built it, I think it is a responsibility to build that red sun room, build the kryptonite room if you need to, to open up opportunities for him to live a life and find an adjustment. And of course, unfortunately, you have to come up with some security measure just in case things backfired. But I do think that's where they messed up. I think they did not responsibly um, come up with ways to try to solve the problem. Just put it on ice yeah. for it to be a problem later. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So do you think it's um, it was okay then for Duplex to take on that responsibility later on? Or do you think that he should have been more forceful in getting the rest of them to do it? Getting the rest of like Cadmus to take this on? I think Duplex bit off more than he could chew here. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, Obviously, his plan immediately didn't work. You know, he said these three <laughs> genomorphs will keep him calm. Um, and while we we uh, just work him out and it didn't work immediately. So I think Duplex, understandably why he just chose to hide this, he did need the help and support. He could not do it. One man cannot be a village. Um, so I think he did slip up here. I think he did go. His intentions were good but he did need to have more support 
and a backup plan because had Superboy not been around, who knows what would have happened um, if That's true. if they dropped the ball for even a second. So, yeah, I, I don't think he made the right call here at all. Uh, I think good intentions, but, you know, road to hell is paved with good intentions. So Ooh, that's, that's good. yeah, that's <laughs> what he did. He almost took his team to hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, that wraps up our episode here, because, of course, as we mentioned, um, there aren't many uh, comic book stories at this point. We are going to be jumping into the Young Justice Invasion set of comics after our next episode, because our next episode is the season finale of season one. We have made it through. We have gone through really great episodes like Fail Safe. But then also dealt with really bad ones like secrets. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, compared to the lows of static, a uh, secret <laughs> is definitely not as bad as Static Shack or the one percent of germs. But or the, uh, uh, the point squad game, point squad. Uh, the hoop squad. The hoop squad. Hoop squad. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yep, yeah, still, still pretty rough that one. <laughs> yeah uh unfortunately we will be getting a lot of the answers that we want like what is happening to the um that random tentacle that has been in play for a while will we finally have a finalized mem- leader of the team is Atana joining and ultimately the biggest question of all is there even really a mole so we are going to be covering the last two episodes of season one next week so in the meantime take care of yourselves and remember if you have a 24-hour bug Drink plenty of fluids, eat your meals, especially if they're high in vitamin C and zinc. But also don't rule out if someone's just trying to steal your powers. And if an alien Martian offers you some of her blood as a transfusion, um, get ready for things to get weird. 